Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this Circles and Squares episode number four. And Kate, welcome back. We're back again. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I've been feeling very nostalgic for memories today. And James, well, what, I... Let me just, like, what else are you nostalgic for if not memories? <sighs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you going to do this to me right off the I don't bat? Know, I don't know. Anyway, tell, what, what's up? <laughs> well, a fond memory that I used to think of, of fondly, but maybe not so much anymore, um, is let's take you back a couple Christmases ago. Okay. And um, if you remember, uh, the weeks leading up to Christmas, there was a, a, a lovely game on the horizon called Bravely Default. Bravely Default, yeah. And uh, we had both been been bringing it up quite a bit in conversation. Um, and now, unbeknownst to the other person, we were bringing it up to sort of test the waters, see if uh, the other person was interested in, yeah. and sort of sort of find out some information. And uh, with the intention of purchasing the game for. Uh, as a Christmas present. Right. And that makes total sense. Like that's what people do, right? It makes total sense. Um, now, obviously, both of us are far too clever to accept or to assume such a ruse was taking place and just thought the other person <laughs> was excited about this new game coming out. So lo and behold, Christmas morning, uh, we're sitting around around the tree and I open a lovely present wrapped by my, wrapped by my wonderful brother. And in the box is a copy of Bravely Default. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a great it was a great gift idea, you know. And it was a fantastic gift idea. I thoroughly enjoyed the game when I played it, but I remember opening it, laughing, and saying, "James, would you like to open your gift as well?" <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave the what was in that box to everyone's imagination. Yes, but uh, you know, it was a very similar Christmas for both of us. I guess. <laughs> I can't. What made you think of that? Well, I uh, was taking a look at our notes, which obviously we we are very genuine on the show, and and most of this is just live off the cuff, as you can tell from the amount of weird things that we say and, and like, <laughs> like like nostalgic for memories yes <laughs> well okay we're back to that that's a thing now um but i noticed in our both of our notes we do kind of do a sort of a generic outline just to kind of be aware of uh what we're going to be saying and talking about for the show and i've noticed that we've both put on here we've been playing man of medan <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know it's like unplanned too it's just kind of one of those things where i mean i knew i knew you had a copy and you were kind of playing it but I didn't know we'd both kind of plan the same time to to do it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. But I would like to say, if uh, again, if anyone wants to come support the show, we're all over the Internet. Just follow us on Twitter at C-A-N-D-S-Pod. Uh, C-N-S Pod. You can find the links to all of our other um, accounts and email and everything over there. And get in touch. We'd like to hear it and see what you think of the show so far. And yeah, that's... Pretty much that. Leave us a rating, you know, help us grow. But um, let's talk about the show here. We're going to be talking about the games we've been playing, as always, to start the show. Um, second segment is going to be a news roundup. There's actually some pretty big news today. Um, the Unreal Engine 5 trailer just dropped, and that's huge because it was on PS5. But we'll talk about that in a bit. And then finally, I think the this is going to be an interesting third segment. We're going to be going through our predictions for PlayStation for the rest of the year. Um, and maybe we'll have a little bit of a wager about what the winner or the most accurate predictor we'll get. But uh, let's get into that later. Uh, for now, Kate, let's talk about Man of Medan, actually. How about we start with that, since we've both been playing? Now, this is so one of those choose-your-own-adventure kind of, you know, choices-go-far, allegedly type of games, um, similar to like Heavy Rain or Detroit Become Human or any of the Telltale game stuff like that um, from Supermassive. Now, they, they are, their most recent game aside from Man of Medan was Until Dawn. Have you played that at all? Just to 
Uh, I've played the first probably 60% of Until Dawn twice, Um, but I haven't actually beat it. I'd like to, and I was intending to finish it before Man of Medan, but we had the perfect um, semblance of a a group who was ready to play at the time, so we just jumped right into it. Um, now I think we both kind of had a, an interesting, slightly different experience with Man and Madame because I played the version where it's the couch co-op and everybody is assigned a character. Yeah, that is a cool way to play. Whereas, sure. um, and that was a new thing that none of the other games in the genre have, have kind of implemented. Yeah, no, like I, I recently played just to talk about Until Dawn for a second. I beat Until Dawn late last year. Um, me and Ash were kind of playing it. We were playing it together, basically, but I had the controller and was like was controlling the game. But we take turns, kind of like, okay, the next choice that comes up, like that's your choice, and then right. I do the next one, and then you know, continue on from there, and kind of played it together that way. But I think what the modes they've introduced into this one are really cool, and they expand on being able to play with others, right? Like you were saying. Yeah, that was the one of the big aspects that really drew me to Manamadan. I mean, I, I like this sort of genre of game just in general, but my previous experience of playing part of Until Dawn and even um, with the Telltale games that I've played in the past, I've always played them socially. And uh, one of the main aspects I really enjoy is when you have to make a decision, you always have a very strict time limit. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you get like 10 seconds to decide two very opposing decisions and you know you live with the consequences of that so when I when you play socially you know one person's got the controller and everybody's you know chiming in like do this do this pick left pick right and and the person with the controller ends up you know either either it's unanimous and it's easy or they panic and pick one um so this man of a damn playing as everyone is assigned a character still has that but it's ultimately up to the character at the time to make that decision which was kind of nice so So, you sort of got that veto last choice yeah exactly so there's five characters in the game and you were playing with a group of five we had exactly perfectly a group of five yeah um so we all got assigned different characters if you've played the game i ended up being brad he's sort of the the wimpy nerdy guy with the glasses I, i yeah okay that makes sense i like that guy i think he was all right i mean i would say i mean just like I played it differently than you. I did not play that mode. I just played, like I said, I was controlling every character. We were going through the choices together, but I was in, you know, in those panicked moments when it was, you know, you have a split second to choose and, and whatever, or there any of the reflexes, quick time events. Like it was up to me to, to uh, pull them off. But um, so you were Brad, hey? Wow, mm-hmm. Brad. That's the one thing I say about this game. Like when you said you were Brad, it took me, even though I just beat it a couple weeks ago, it took me or not even a couple weeks, like maybe last week I beat it, but it took me a couple of minutes to conjure up like, okay, who was Brad again? I just to, you know, get into the story and characters a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't think this game is quite as memorable as some of the others, as far as the characters of the story went personally. Yeah. I had a similar experience. I, I enjoyed it. I think largely due to that social aspect and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a really brief game as well. It didn't, you know, kind of overstay yeah. its welcome. So I overall had a pleasant experience with it, but I agree that it, it doesn't really stand out as, you know, having done, aside from having some interesting mechanics, it doesn't stand out as having really excelled in any particular area, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. And I kind of, I felt like it was an interesting game in the sense that the story was actually pretty cool by the end. And it, and it became... Like I wanted to know how it was going to conclude once I got that far, but I think that the the little intro sequence where you you know there's a little bit of lighthearted fun going on with the characters and 
and you're just sort of learning their dynamics and their relationships together. I think that was, it didn't do a good enough job of making me care about these people enough so that at the end of the game, I didn't feel as impacted by like, oh, I guess she's dead now. Like whatever, you know, like not until dawn, I feel like I was more attached to those characters the way that the game was written. And maybe that was just the setting or something. I'm not sure. But I don't know if you had a similar experience with with that. Yeah, I think so. I I think it's kind of hard to tell. Like my perspective is a little bit skewed because I associate each character with a specific person. Right. So it was it kind of made those moments more meaningful because it wasn't just, oh, no, you were killing Brad. It's like you're killing me. Don't kill my character. And there were some moments, especially um, early on where there'd be two characters in a scene together and one person's Mm -hmm. controlling their playable character but another character's heavily involved in that scene and there were some stressful and like stressful moments and some yelling across the couch like don't kill my character (laughs) (laughs) i i don't know if that's something that was possible to actually happen that a character we only had one death throughout our game better than me i had i had three people Oh, Died wow. End, yeah. And I had, and like you said, the, the name's escaping me, but it was the, the, the rich guy who yeah. was sort of funding the adventure. He died um, as our only death, but it was on his turn to play. Right. So I'm not sure if it is possible to kill someone else, but that definitely gave you the impression that it was, and that was the biggest cause of, of stakes or stress. But that was sort of an artificial thing imposed by the, mm-hmm. the dynamic mm-hmm. well, of the group it's and unknown not, right it, you, yeah. you weren't sure if you should be worried or not yeah um you know one thing i felt that was really weird about the game and i don't know if you had a similar experience being because you played different a different mode than me but w- neither of us played online and one of the cool things you can do with this game is you can actually play um, online with someone obviously not in the same room and your scenes will happen at the same time because a lot of the games the scenes will be be happening at the same or as I understand it anyway be happening at the same timeline so you might have a 10 minute scene with your character and then the next scene is is um, supposed to be happening at the same time as that other scene Mm -hmm. so if someone like slams a door or something you can hear that when you play the next scene as if they were happening at the same time and if you were playing online I think it would be cool because you'd be like oh that must be like Kate must be over there doing something I can hear her right but if you're playing on the same console and you don't have that experience I found that it was a bit tough to follow the timeline sometimes and I don't know like there was one scene specifically I don't want to say because it's a bit of a spoiler but one character something happens to them and they come through this door and I I sort of saw it twice because it happened (laughs) in the next scene as well and it was it was a bit like wait a second like did this happen before or was it after and I found it a bit jumbled like that and I, I don't know if you had any scenes that did that for you. Yeah, I think I know what scene you're getting at, and it was kind of, the pacing's a little bit strange at times, mm-hmm. and I found as well, um, specifically paying attention with the with the different characters and playing it the way that I did, was that not all of the characters get an equal amount of screen time. No, I feel, uh, there's a couple in particular I feel like get a lot, like the girl who's the boat captain, yes. whatever her name is, I, I feel like she's like a third of the game as you, you play as that Yeah, girl. and there's almost one character that kind of seems like the main character as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of an unfortunate thing, playing the dynamic that we played, because it felt like some people got to play a significant 
like it's significantly more yeah. of the game. Just arbitrarily because they yeah, happen to because, select. And it yeah. doesn't tell you that when you pick the game. It just sort of gives you like all the characters in a, in a brief like two sentence description of who they are and what they look yeah. like. And you just assign your name to them. And it was pretty arbitrary. I wonder I wonder if depending on the choices you make, because I think we've only beaten it once each, right? Like yeah. I wonder if you make some different choices and maybe other characters become more prominent or, or anything like that too. I, I would hope so. Because I mean like this, this wasn't a full price game, but it was decently expensive i think for the length of it yeah so i think to compensate I, the idea is that there is quite a bit of content but you're playing multiple times and you're going through the story and experiencing different options which leads to different sequences yeah which personally unless it's a game i'm really very very heavily invested in i i will play it once and then youtube those other situations yeah same with me especially for something like this which didn't i mean I think it's obvious the way we're talking about it. Neither of us are like super high on it. I enjoyed playing it. I'm glad I finished it and everything, but I wouldn't say like it's drawn me back to to go and, and re-experience any of those different endings and stuff. Like I'm way more drawn to go back to say Detroit and or even Until Dawn from the same, you know, Super Massive did the same, that game as well. And like that game to me, I would I would may, probably be down to play that again at some point and, and make some different choices in that one. But, but this one I don't think did the same, you know, it didn't compel me the same way yeah i agree i think that that's a good summary of it and i i, would, I don't want to be too harsh on this game i i really enjoyed playing it and i i like how they've integrated multiplayer into it and i'd like mm-hmm. to see more games do the same thing and this genre kind of um you know become even more mainstream than it is although it's trending that way and i don't think it's a bad game but it definitely doesn't stand out and coming off of the prowess of a game like until dawn which has been maybe like four months since i played that first half and i'm always it's kind of on my mind like it's a game i want to finish i'm excited to see where it goes like both times i've played it have been very different experiences and Mm -hmm. i i consider that game to be like a a really well constructed game that that really excels at what it sets out to do yeah i think madame madan is fun but maybe just isn't quite yeah. At that level. You know, it's interesting too because this is supposed to be an anthology collection, right? Like the Dark Pictures anthology. Mm-hmm. And this is the first entry and I think they've already announced something like they're going to what have six or seven, maybe maybe it's even more than that. I can't remember, but they've already slated themselves to be making this collection of, you know, short stories like this. So it's kind of I feel like this is I'm still interested in the anthology. Like I'm going to check them all out or at least in as long as they, maybe this is a blip, right? This could just be like, maybe a lot of people like this and it's just the story didn't click with me or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And because one of the things I really like, like my favorite part of this game is the host. L- the the guy in that yes. room. I don't think he even has a name, but he he's like the guy that between each chapter will come back and he'll say like, Oh, you've gotten yourself in a sticky situation, haven't you? Yeah, I wonder, and he's always I wonder like, what's going to happen next. You're always like to a see. little like disappointed and sarcastic yeah, towards you. <laughs> but I like that guy a lot, and I'm interested to see how maybe some of these games, if they if they connect at all, or like what his role in the games are, or or like what the reason he's telling you these stories is. I think that's going to be a cool overarching narrative to maybe some of these short stories, like like Man and Medan was. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that would be would be really neat and would elevate all of them um because it it is such a cool thing and i was i was i really enjoyed that aspect but i was expecting more from it because in until dawn when you have those 
pause sections and you speak to the psycho- psychiatrist or whomever it is in, in that in that game, he sort of gets you to do these exercises and what you say to him influences what happens when you go back into the game. Whereas in this one, it was just sort of brief interludes where he spoke to you, but you didn't have any agency. Yeah. So it would be cool that maybe if instead of him affecting the the anthology or the one that you're currently playing what you do in man of medan maybe like affects oh, your next part of the game because deep. he's tying you as a player to all of these different stories mm. so that would be really cool that and, would be uh, cool wow we'll have to wait and see i, I feel like that's not going to be the case but yeah I mean, it might be a little ambitious but I, it would just be really neat i feel like the most you'd get out of that would be would be like you're partway through the next game that comes and then he's like oh the first one didn't turn out too well you better make start making some better choices here you know yeah. i feel like he might connect like that he, right he might sort of just comment like, on it reference you did a shitty job or something the first time <laughs> <laughs> right know. he might just berate you as you go yeah anyway yeah that's i don't, I don't know it's it's fine but but uh there's just better mm-hmm. that's all that's all i'll say about man and dan um yeah what else you've been playing uh, well, I've got one other game I'd like to talk about, and this is a very brief first impression. I've only played about an hour because I'm still finishing Persona 5, so this is my post-Persona treat. Hey, now, you, <laughs> I, th- like, I feel like you're going to beat Persona for next episode, just to say. I think so. I, I really tried for this episode, and I, I wanted it to happen so much, but it's just not quite... The ending is a little bit longer than I anticipated, mm-hmm. so that will be coming soon. But I had a little sneak peek. I started actually the first hour of God of War. Great. Which has been on my list. This brings a smile to my face. I've been wanting to play this game for so long. I've I've been so excited about this game that when it was up for Game of the Year award and it was up against Red Dead Redemption 2, which was a game I was playing at the time and thoroughly enjoying and I really thought it deserved Game of the Year, I voted for God of War (laughs) because I could just tell from from the limited gameplay I'd seen and everything I'd heard about it and and my experiences with the with the series in the past that it was just going to be a game that that just ticked every box for me. So it got my vote, even though I hadn't touched it. (laughs) And after playing the first hour, I'm confident in my voting decision. It's it's fucking awesome. That game. It is awesome. The game is. First of all, the game is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Now you've only played, like you said, the first hour. Then, the right? first so I feel, hour. I feel like at this point you can spoil whatever you want out of this first hour because the game's a couple years old. Like if you've had any interest, I feel like. Right. I mean, who you've probably waited the longest to play this, so you're the last of the party. You can talk about whatever you <laughs> okay. want. Okay. Well, this is your official warning. Skip ahead like ten minutes, maybe, if you don't want to hear any God of War related spoilers. But um, yeah, I've so I've I've made it to the first kind of like big boss like your first fight with the stranger mm-hmm. who is obviously going to keep cropping up throughout the game uh and that I won't confirm or deny that well i mean yeah, you don't <laughs> have to he's gonna show up but uh it was oh my god it was so incredibly cinematic and like you expect that going into a god of war game because yeah they always have those cool yeah. even the old ones have those cool zoomed out camera shots and, and yeah you know. and it's just such a visceral game like you feel it every time that like you're fighting the weakest enemy in the game and Kratos rips him in half and like yeah. you it's just gory just the way the axe connects oh, sometimes the way the axe feels like they got that perfectly like that axe animation sells the entire game 
on its own merit. Like yeah. you physically feel it. It has such a neat weight to it. You remember like that actually throws back to our last episode or one of the, the yes. first one actually when I was talking about my favorite weapons in a game and you can see why people have that opinion now, right? Of how oh, yeah. amazing the axe is. It's so incredibly cool and like it's neat too to use it for puzzles as well as uh, with combat and like it really sort of fits into like a style and like with the skill trees, like I can see myself sort of maybe yeah, specking into that a little bit. There's a lot going on in the game, but like it just gets down to it. It's a game that like I people were people stopped to in the house to watch me play because it's just so cinematic and mm-hmm. just such an absolute joy to watch. Like mm-hmm. every fight, like you know, you, you fight for a bit and the combat is is fun and responsive, but then you, it's never too long until you're in some little like cinematic scene where he's like chucking the stranger around and then the stranger is like punching you into a wall and then you go back to your fight for a minute and then like something else ridiculous and like over the top is happening and it's just it's such a spectacle it is and you know i think the one of the things that was praised for when it came out that was really unique was the camera right the way that it never cuts like the whole game, the the camera will never cut away from Kratos, or if it it never cuts, it can sometimes swoop away from him and show something else, but it never ever once like the action doesn't break, and I think that really contributes to that feeling because the cutscene will happen, then all of a sudden before you know it, you're you, the camera swung back around right behind him, and it's close behind his back again, and you're already controlling Kratos without any you know transition. Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's very seamless. It takes you from one piece to the next piece, like very very organically and it's really interesting what they've done to sort of write in those scripted beats but also like have you feel like you're playing through them all the time and you have a very strong agency as Kratos Mm -hmm. so it's great I think the story seems like it's going to be fantastic I've I've got a bet going on with myself to think that this might be the first game to ever make me cry Uh, so (laughs) I'm interested to see if that comes to fruition but the the dad son relationship is really interesting. We don't get to see a lot of softness from Kratos. Mm-hmm. It was really a reboot of his character in a lot of ways, you know, because yeah. before he never really had too many emotions aside from, oh, I'm going to kill you or like, you know, even his, I mean, his family was murdered and all this crazy stuff in the first couple of games and you never really even see him overly sad. It's always just rage yeah. and like destruction. Yeah, that was actually an interesting, interesting point I kind of thought on for a little bit. Like the whole original trilogy is started because Kratos's family dies and that's what kicks off his whole journey for revenge and to fight the gods and and you know it it extrapolates from there and and gets really out of control but it starts because of his loss of his family but it's not really explored overly well and and Kratos isn't given a lot of depth Mm -hmm. whereas in this game it starts in a similar kind of way his wife has died but because he has that son to interact with and to kind of like have as a foil for his character, I think they're going to be able to explore that in a lot more of a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, there's a scene and I, I can't remember if it's the second or the third God of War because they all sort of have blended together over over the years. Well, it's been but, a long time since those games have come out as well. Yes, it has been a, a, quite a while. But here's a scene and he's with Pandora, that young girl, and he's sort of rescuing her from... Uh, like a sequence or or somewhere she's been trapped. I can't remember exactly, but he's he she's this young character and he's very soft towards her. And I remember thinking that's that sequence stood out a lot because of of how 
Kratos interact with her so different than all of the other characters that mm-hmm. he comes yeah, across. And you're, and you're like, this guy does have a human side of, yeah, of some kind. Like, you just don't ever really see yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So this this has brought me back to to that Kratos. And I, I feel like they maybe use that as a template or maybe that kind of inspired the story for this game a little bit. Right. But it's super neat. He's like, oh, he's a harsh dad. That would be a strict. <laughs> I know. You, you grew up being a pretty tough kid and you'd, use your daddy. You'd be a pretty tough kid. And like, I have a lot of empathy for for the poor son Atreus. He's like, yeah. oh, it's a lot of pressure. So so do you, like, how many skills do you have right now? Have you? I haven't actually upgraded anything. Oh, okay. Um, I can't quite remember how the first hour goes. Yeah, it's mostly just been tutorial. I think beating the stranger is is the what this what separates you from like tutorial section to now like yeah okay you're sort of in control and we're going to teach you things as you go but like you know yeah. you're, you're in the game now so i think next time i play i'll, I'll probably get some stat increases and stuff i mean i look through all the menus because yeah. it's exciting but you're you're very close i won't say anything beyond like a little bit past where you are after you beat the stranger something happens and it's nothing major but it's just like something happens and then the game expands in this way that you're not expecting and you're like whoa okay like this is what this game is now and then 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 you kind of realize what you're in for and it's it's awesome yeah yeah i'm super excited everything's kind of like ticking all the boxes just like i thought it would um the combat i feel is the only thing that's maybe surprised me a little bit so far uh it feels good and i'm enjoying it but it, it didn't feel like how i thought it was going to there and it's interesting there's some like it's very tactical. I know some people have compared it to like more modern action games, almost like a Dark Souls, where you've got your dodging and your parrying and like a lot of flexible options. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's tight and it's it's actually quite difficult. But what it was really neat to me that I didn't know ahead of time and going into it was it it kind of still keeps its hack and slash roots while yeah. incorporating the, the new more modern system. Like there's a lot of times where you're dodging, but then when you actually, it's your turn and you're attacking, you sort of do get that, those gratifying like hack and slash kind of like combos as well in, in the middle of the combat, which is neat. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's like, it's not really like Dark Souls, but it's also not like a hack and slash, you know, it's a really good middle ground between, you can't just button mash, but you also don't have to be so perfect and whatever like in a dark souls so i think it's a it's yeah. a cool balance yeah it's a neat blend of the two i i like that it, it's been modernized and updated because i think while i i really enjoyed the first few games those are that the combat's probably what dates it the most yeah and like well, games have evolved i think since since then you know yeah you want to be like more tactical as you're playing games now as opposed to you know you go into every fight with the exact same approach mm-hmm. so i like that but i also like that it's sort of like stuck to its roots a bit and it's still it still sort of emulates that kind of like over the top god of war action that oh yeah that's oh, always that's been the in the series expecting. So. you just some of the things in this game are so violent You'll, yes so <laughs> it's great anyways i'm i'm super excited to play more um look forward to to that yeah, in the future yeah um I will try not to spoil things as I go. I am sure this is the only part that will get greenlit for, yeah, <laughs> for spoilers. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. But, but uh, well, I'm just, I'm really happy you're playing this. You know, I think it's, uh, it's one of the pillars of PlayStation First Party at this point now. And, and so uh, you're going to really enjoy yourself. Yes. I would say. I, I owe it to, to all of you and to yeah. myself. <laughs>
That's cool. You know, I'm, I'm happy you're playing it too, just for the selfish aspect. Like it's been a couple of years since I beat it now and I get to relive it now through like hearing you talk about it, which <laughs> well, is cool. I'll make sure to give you all the updates. Cool. Um, but while we're waiting for that, why don't you update me yeah, on yeah. what else you've been playing? Yeah. Oh, what a transition. Wow. Look at that. Um, yeah, <laughs> Gotta so- make up for earlier <laughs> for my nostalgic <laughs> memories. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, a couple things. Um, still playing through Final Fantasy VII. I don't have a lot to say on it because I'm still working my way through. I think I'm just over halfway done the game now, so I've slowed down a little bit. I've honestly just been really busy, like, you know, working on trying to get this podcast going and work's been crazy and all that stuff. So I'd like to have been further by now, but I'm hoping to really power through it over the long weekend this weekend and and get Final Fantasy VII done by the next show. So hopefully I'll have, um, you know, my final thoughts next next episode on that but i'm still really enjoying it i think i've um come to terms with the fact that i'm not going to be completing all the side quests um at least until the post game if i choose to go that way some of them are cool but i'm, I'm kind of just you know going through them and if i'm not instantly drawn to the story of whatever that side quest is i'm just leaving it uh for now and other than that all i'll say is that there is i just did a very iconic scene the other day which um has to do with cloud's clothing options very, uh, you know, spoiler-free thing to say unless you played the original or whatever. Um, that was really cool to experience. I really liked the way that scene unfolded. And there's some just some really crazy, unique boss fights in this game. Like, one of the things I just fought, maybe we'll do a... If you play, we'll do a spoiler segment on it one time or something, or I'll, t- I'll tell you later. But but the, bosses, the boss was just so unexpected, and it wasn't, like, something you'd really have seen before and I and I think that this game is constantly surprising me in different ways like there's like rhythm dancing sections which I have to <laughs> tap like quick time events and it's just really bizarre and I didn't realize that these kind of things were put into the original I thought it was more just a classic like you know RPG with just the stuff you'd expect but it seems like this game has a lot of really quirky weird little scenes in it that are just out of nowhere and I'm really enjoying those and I, it's one of the things keeping me going the most is like I wonder when the next weird little <laughs> thing is going to happen that is completely unexpected because you expect to go through and like get your party member and then you expect to fight a boss and like and whatever but some of these other things are just really unique and that's one of my favorite things about it so far and the other thing I will say is that I really like how the characters kind of come and go in your party like it's not like once a guy joins your party he's he's with you and like and that's it. Like right now, Cloud Barrett, Tifa, and Aerith, right? There's the four characters. Mm-hmm. But it's always like, oh, you know, Aerith left the party now. So um, now it's just Cloud. But then this person shows up and then they leave the party and then two of them come back. And like, right. And because I, they have their own know, lives going on outside and of what going you're on doing. Or, or like, you know, it, it had just Cloud for a significant portion of what I just played. And I think that's a really cool way to keep it fresh and just switch up how you're playing. And, and it is more realistic because if you think about some RPG, if you're going on this big adventure, you're not always going to be in the same location as these same people that are, are part of your team, you know? Like right. realistically, they're going to they're going to be leaving you. Right, and especially for a lot of a lot of games, JRPGs in particular, you get a character that joins you at a very specific time in the story for a very specific reason. But twenty hours later, you're doing something totally different, and they're just with you because now you're your best yeah, friends. Like, <laughs> their life is now like dedicated to helping you. Yeah, and they can't they're leave. like, yeah. I'll go wherever you want me to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess some of those characters would but i mean yeah yeah it's just, it's just cool because it's got some like it's not a mechanic you see often there's other games that do that but i i like stuff like that that makes it feel even just minorly different right. than other games and right? then it's exciting when they show up again and they always tend right. to do so right at, at the a dramatic moment, moment yeah whatever, where you yeah. really need them yeah like oh shit that guy's gonna be tough oh thank god like barrett's back or whatever it is mm. but yeah that's that the other game i've been playing um, quite a bit as i i know last time i talked about Fortnite and how that's been 
kind of a social experiment for me as far as hanging out when we all can't get together. Um, I've only played Fortnite once since that episode, so I think it might be close to over already. (laughs) Wasn't quite as successful uh, as uh, as your last go. Yeah, just the way it is. But another game kind of having the similar effect to me is Dauntless, and I've been playing that um, a couple times since we last recorded. And this game, for those that don't know very quickly, is basically a free version of what Monster Hunter Monster Hunter World, I think, is the newest one. Mm-hmm. What that yes. game is. Now, I've played Monster Hunter before, and uh, I got into it with a group of friends. We played it quite a bit, but I, it's one of those games that once you fall off of it, I think Monster Hunter is very tough to get back into because it's got such complexity in its systems and and the way you need to build your character and do your stats and craft items and everything. And I, as much as I like that game, I think it was just a bit dense, and it, it, it's just something I don't see myself going back to. And so because my friends also liked that game, we decided, hey, you know what? Let's check out Dauntless because it's it's basically like a lighter version of what Monster mm-hmm. Hunter's offering. You can, you know, play it for free, jump in, jump out, do your thing. Right. Now, I, I played a bit of Dauntless, um, but it was in its beta. Is it still in beta or has it no, fully it's, released No, it's fully now? out now, it's from what, okay. at least from what I can tell. And, and, you know, we've been having a lot of fun with it. I, in some ways, I actually quite prefer it to Monster Hunter just because there's no... I mean, I don't care about the story of Monster Hunter, right? Like the story didn't do anything for me. And one of the problems with Monster Hunter was that if you wanted to play with it with your friends, you would have to do the story portion before they could even join your game. So you'd have to sit through this cutscene. Your friends would just be like sitting on their couch waiting for you. And then you'd have to call them in after the cutscene. But in Dauntless, there's not really a whole lot of story, which is fine. And you just you're just in this hub world and then you go off on missions like and you can all just be in the same lobby and, and do your thing that way. Um, we had a little bit of trouble setting that up because it's an Epic published game. So a couple of us had Epic accounts from playing Fortnite or whatever else. And and two Mm -hmm. of my friends didn't. So getting each other all like worked out on our friends list and and everyone to like be able to invite each other to parties was a bit of a bitch. But like now that we have it set up, it's pretty, it's pretty good. And, and honestly, like I'm, it's just been a lot of fun to, to go in and kill some monsters, you know? And it's a really easy game to get into without having to commit too much time to it because, the, the armor sets you get, again, to go, like, it's hard to talk about this without comparing it to Monster Hunter. Yeah, it's really like you know? an elephant in the room when this game comes up. Like, it's it very much, very heavily inspired by Monster Hunter. And I think, to their credit, they don't shy away from that. They very much seem like they're, you know, very upfront about it. Like, you know, we, we love Monster Hunter. This is, you know, mm-hmm. another avenue for you to enjoy a game like that. We've taken a couple of our own unique spins on it have yeah, fun <laughs> exactly and so this game just gets a lot rid of a lot of the bs that monster hunter is like i said about the cutscenes, and then also in monster hunter you also have to track the the monsters which i think some people some people really like that aspect right like oh look there's tracks there oh look it's scraped by this wall and left some goop like and that stuff is cool but the problem is once you've fought the same monster like three or four times it's it becomes a bit monotonous right and so even though that's cool the first couple times i think overall dauntless is better be- in that sense because you just find the monster pretty quickly. You don't have to, you know, sometimes Monster Hunter can take you like 15, 20 minutes to find the thing. Whereas in Dauntless, you kind of arrive on the map and then you all run in a different direction. When one of you eventually runs into the monster, you shoot a flare up into the air and everyone else can run to your position and you just start fighting it. And I think that's really cool. But the other thing that's really good about that I appreciate about Dauntless is that it doesn't punish you for not having played as much as the people you're playing with. Because... All of the armor sets, the the armor set from the first enemy you kill can be upgraded to be just as good as any other armor set in the game. They're all equivalent as long as you level them up. So, I mean, if I if 
you know, my friends I'm playing with go and play while I'm podcasting here right now. And then I were to join them later. It, I wouldn't be like weaker than them just because they might have just a different looking armor set. But every fire enemy you kill will have the same level of armor, just a different appearance. Yes. I, I heavily appreciated that when I played it as well, because one of the things in, in RPGs, especially ones with very cool aesthetics, is you get different armor and new armor and you want to try it out and you want to look really cool. And yeah. one of the main things about these kind of games, the the big draw is that when you hunt the monsters, you use their, well, I, I would love to say this more nicely, but you use their corpse to <laughs> <laughs> to um, to create like your weapons and your armor. Yeah, and it looks so cool. So it looks cool as hell. And that's a big draw because like you're decked out in, in your cool like, like bird armor and then you go in mm. and you've got like cool like armadillo armor and it's all really neat but then you get you you often run into issues with e-games like this but uh, just rpgs in general where you get this new armor set and the stats are amazing so you can't justify not using it but you yeah. look like an idiot so i really like that you can kind of That's specifically true. like it sort of play like a fashion game with it as right, well. Yeah. You don't have to be a worse character just because if you like the look of the first enemy you kill or something, you can just use that armor. Yeah. And and I, I mean, there's exceptions like you don't want to use certain types of armor when you're fighting different types yeah, of Yeah, and some of them give you different stats. Like one armor might give you more like agility, whereas another armor gives you a little more defense. But like, and so you, you might kind of feel pressure to spec into one of those options. But at least it's it's a different option versus like this one's just outright yeah, better. There's, there's nothing, no reason to ever yeah. like count one there's out. There's no armor that's like these have the same defense, but this one gives me more health and the other one doesn't. Like they're all you can justify using any armor you want. And I yeah. think that's great. And it's the same with the weapons as well. It, it, it attributes to that as well, where like, you know, they're they give you slightly different versions of each weapon, but it's a preference choice. It's yeah. not and not just a stat check. Yeah, totally. And and just to finish off my thoughts, like. It is a free-to-play game, so there obviously is like the season pass and the microtransactions yes. and the let's pay for shaders type of deal. But I, it's not very intrusive. Like I've we've played probably fifteen hours or so, like since we started playing. We just play once or twice a month, right? But I I like that it's not really in your face about buying things over and over, and it it's it makes it feel like a premium experience even when you're not actually having to pay. And like that's the kind of thing I actually would be more inclined to give money to rather than some game that's constantly asking you to spend money everywhere here you know right exactly because you're you're enjoying the game and you want to support the devs and the team making it you don't you know just feel like they're you know it's like a cash grab exactly yeah so um yeah dauntless is cool probably we'll play more of it i don't know if i'll talk about it a whole lot more on the show it's kind of once you've once you've spoken about it once it's kind of like unless there's a big update or a new season or Mm -hmm. some big expansion or something but uh, i recommend i mean i like it I i think that if you're interested in monster hunter it's a great thing to try and then if you really get into that, Dauntless, and, and explore all that it has to offer, then Monster Hunter would be a good stepping stone up if you're, if you're really into it. But honestly, like, I like this. I have just as much fun yeah. as this with Monster I, Hunter, right? I think it's good in its own merit. It is. Let, me, let me know when you play next. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> You've never invited me yeah, to well, play. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have a squad of four, you know. Like, we're, we're uh, exclusive. We have a clan tag and everything, except for some reason, one of my friends can't accept the invite to the clan, so we just say he's uh, not good enough so to join. Just I have no, I have no <laughs> idea what's going on there, other than like maybe he doesn't have an epic thing, and you have to have uh, epic. I don't know, whatever. But um, what's your yeah. favorite weapon? I use the the guns actually. Oh, I, I use, use the, the guns, guns too. Oh, Jesus yeah, <laughs> yeah, I use the guns. I, the guns are cool, but the, the only problem I'm having with them is that to upgrade them. It takes different materials than the, yes, uh, the standard they, weapons. They're kind of the atypical weapon in the game. Yeah, and so 
my guns right now are actually stronger than than the weapons the rest of my guys are using because I've just for whatever reason I've killed enough guys where I can upgrade my guns to be a higher level. So I'm a little bit ahead, but then other things I'm I'm behind on. Like I was behind for a while when they all had higher level weapons, whatever. But it's my choice. You you pick your poison, right? I choose <laughs> the guns. I live in that that world. That's me. But yeah. Um. Anyway, that's what we've been playing for this week. Uh, we'll be back after just a short break with some news. So don't go anywhere. Alright everybody, welcome back to the second segment of today's show, and that means yes, it is time for the news. Um, we got an update actually to one something we talked about, I think we spoke about it last time, The Last of Us leak, and, and you know how that information was all coming out um, about all these spoilers, and I think the rumor at the time was that it was a, a Naughty Dog employee that was unhappy with like the working conditions or, or something like that, but um, obviously it's been a couple weeks since then, and we've we've gotten some more information, which is that... This is a Kotaku article Stephen Totillo wrote about it. You can go check the website if you want to read more. The Coles notes basically, though, is that there was a person on Twitter named Pixel Butts, which instantly <laughs> is very credible. <laughs> if you take the name out of it, though, it kind of is. They, they, they were saying that what actually happened was that there was a hacker that somehow had a method of using Amazon servers to to get some passwords for, for Naughty Dog Studio through games like Uncharted 3 and The Last of Us, the original, and that mm-hmm. somehow those passwords allowed them access to like some early gameplay files of The Last of Us 2. Right, which I, I think were dated in April, the yeah. beginning so, of April. Yeah, relatively recent, right? And, mm-hmm. and somehow, so this backdoor kind of code-breaking strategy this person used allowed them to access these files, and that's how it, how it got out. It actually wasn't a Naughty Dog employee. That's right. So, it was someone at home with a bandana on yeah. in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, with green numbers going up and down yeah. the screen. And, I, I'm and in. Whatever. Yeah, so, so I think that's a, that's a... I mean, it sucks that the hack happened. It sucks that for some reason they didn't realize that there was this this um like a, like a breach know, a, a, yeah. this breachable piece of code that, that naughty dog had and unfortunately it led to the leak but i think on the positive side at least there wasn't it wasn't like an internal problem that the studio had had you know yeah i agree i, I think like not that there's any positive outcome from this um but i i think it's at least it's less better than the devast- alternative yeah, yeah it's less devastating than it being someone directly involved yeah and coming from sort of like an outside source. Um, yeah, I mean, people try and do this kind of thing all the time. and Yeah, you get all people data mining and, and hacking, yeah, and it's, it, it's horrible and really still ruins it for everybody. But at the same time, i got to say it's very impressive how they did it. I think not, so. I mean, yeah, not I don't to know condone about, it. Like, yeah, I don't not, know anything about this, but... Yeah, but, uh, not, not to condone what they've done in the slightest, but like that, like, to even think yeah. to access it through an older game is yeah. like really clever i I agree i agree put your talent to better use (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, there was some good news about the last of us too though which was that since we recorded last i said last a lot there it's kind of weird that's the name of the game so what can you do (laughs) Um, there was a there was a trailer for the last of us though that came out recently and um i guess obviously you watch this and everything um story trailer didn't show a lot of gameplay or anything but i think like what did this game really have to do to sell people more you know like it was just another really cool trailer brought the hype back up for the game even more and 
I couldn't wait to play it before and after seeing the trailer I feel the same way like I this game just needs to be in my hands yeah exactly I'm, I'm glad to see that the studio is still moving forward with it they're going strong they're acting like didn't happen yeah. and it's not deterring them and I think that I mean what choice do they have right yeah exactly I think I think ultimately this is you know it's going to be water under the bridge and the game is going to yeah. come out to resounding success yeah i mean we probably said it last time but like the majority of people that that don't follow the industry as closely as even you know you and i are, are not even going to know there was a leak so yeah. it's, it's really only the people like checking ign every day and going on reset era and all that they're even going to know so overall their marketing hasn't changed wouldn't expect it to and hopefully everyone wants to play this game when it comes out which obviously they will yeah, obviously. I mean, it was a great trailer. It looks like it's going to be an absolutely emotional roller coaster. Yeah, it probably didn't mean much to you since you haven't played the first one, but... Well, okay, okay. It's Attack Me Day. <laughs> hey, I'm playing God of War now. That's true. I'm, I'm making my way through my list. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so let's move on here. We got another... Um, there's some really big PlayStation news coming out today. Yeah, just it's say, been like, a fantastic this is, week. This is easily the biggest um, news section we've ever had in, a, in one of our shows. It is only episode four, of course, but... All right, so for the next story, let's talk about a bit of PlayStation branding, okay? Um, a couple days ago, I think it came out that, um, now this is an article from Christopher Dring. It's all over, I guess, anywhere you'd find it, though I'm sure PlayStation Blog had it up there as well. But this is um, kind of unveiling the new PlayStation Studios brand that's going to launch with the PS5 about a new opening cinematic, very similar to what Marvel does before their movies, where the you know the pages flip and all the characters show up and... And it's kind of like, you know, the opening credit almost to a movie. And mm-hmm. PlayStation has a very similar um, new opening animation where it shows some characters and it and then it zooms out and it's the, you know, the PlayStation symbols and, and it has this cool music and it and it's going to play before all the games for from PlayStation first party studios. What's your opinion on that? I think that this is the kind of thing that's going to give you chills when you start a new game. I had chills watching it, to be it's, honest with you. It's incredible. It's so evocative. And I think comparing it to Marvel, I mean, is you, you can't not do that. But it is such a good comparison because it's the same thing. You go to the theater and you see that, that familiar cinematic, but it's been updated slightly with some new characters from the new movies. And like, you know exactly what you're getting into. The music plays and like you have a physical reaction to it. And yeah. I think... This is the exact same thing after having played a few more of, um, you know, like the first party standalone games. And then you play that that next game that has that cinematic playing at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And like, I think you're just going to you feel absolute chills. It's so exciting. It's subtle. It doesn't overstay its welcome, but it is really, really clean. And I think they nailed it. They did a phenomenal job and it's totally like a brand awareness thing, right? Like, like there's some Marvel movies that I'm sure a lot of people who aren't really Marvel fans went to see because they watched the first few and then, or maybe there's even some Marvel movies just to talk about that for a second where people went to the theater and they didn't, maybe like, you know, they're an average movie watcher, doesn't even really follow the Marvel stuff, but they watched the Marvel movie and they saw that intro before and they, they'd be like, wow, this is Marvel. Like I didn't know that, you know, and I think that could happen to a lot of people too, um, especially in for video games where let's say someone goes to, you know, their local GameStop buys God of War on their PlayStation, but they're, they're mostly like a casual gamer, right? They, they buy God of War, they put it in and this cinematic plays for Sony studios and they really like the game and they might begin to associate that brand, you know? Yeah. There's an interesting psychological aspect to it. And I think Sony's probably very aware of that. Um, but it, it, it really gives you the impression, even if it's subconsciously that what you're going to be playing is a part of something bigger mm-hmm. and that it's connected and it's sort of in a legacy instead of 
It's just a game that you've picked up. Yeah. And I think that will will go through people's minds yeah, to a degree and like it will make you more excited for what you're going to be playing based off of just watching some like a, a 20 second startup yeah. to the game yeah well exactly and, the, and a lot of games will you know they'll come up with like oh sony interactive entertainment presents or it'll have like this black screen it'll mention sony but it's not really evocative of emotion or 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 very exciting compared to even just like you know unreal engine shows up at the start and and like you're like okay yeah unreal like whatever but this is like a very attractive thing to look at i think mm-hmm. and it and i think that it will it's just it'll just hype you up to play these games you know it's something as stupid as watching this animation but it, yeah. i think it'll work it's hard to explain just exactly why it's so exciting but it is like i've got a really big goofy smile on my face just yeah. thinking about it because like it's exciting and i'm passionate about these games and like yeah, it's, it's almost like watching the, uh, you know, the intro theme song to your favorite TV show, you know, like the office theme plays and everyone, everyone will hear that and be like, oh, great, the office, like people will see this and say, oh, great, like a PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, and this it, level of quality of the game you're going to play. It's going to be like in hopefully. trailers and games, like they're going to, mm. any sort of like presentation conference that they have going forward. Yeah. Like I think it'll You'd be think, a really right? good like unifying little bit of yeah. music to get stuck in your head it's do, great do you think um <laughs> like it says in the article again that we're kind of basing this discussion off of that it'll it debuts later this year on ps4 and ps5 like obviously the last of us 2 and ghost of tsushima are coming out before before that time and i think they've even confirmed don't quote me on it but they they said like this opening cinematic will not be on those games yeah do you think, is that just like do you think because they want to wait for ps5 to release before they start implementing this or uh, it's hard to say i think I mean, I think maybe it's convenient to come out with the the new generation as as sort of a statement like this is us going forward and look at all the, you know, the things that we're going to be doing in the future. But I think it probably relays more to that it's just too late in the development cycles for those games and like but is it though like like it's, yeah, it's just guess, a little credit thing to put that's at the true front. i like, guess I how see... how difficult would it be to slide that in but like yeah like they patch whole levels into stuff yeah, sometimes that's you know? true but i mean at the same time like why don't they have it in yet? Like maybe waiting until five is a nice thematic thing to do. But at the same time, like both of those games definitely qualify for having the cinematic. It of would course, be a shame yeah. not to put it in if there wasn't a technical yeah, reason. I, just, to, I couldn't to really wrap my head around that. I mean, it's such a small detail, but at the same yeah. time, like I think it's just a branding thing with PS5. But you know, the real question here about this, you know, PlayStation Studios is, do you think the characters shown in the cinematic is that, indicating you know some of the upcoming games we haven't heard of yet because not every first party character is in there i think there's ratchet and clank there's sack boy aloy yeah, um, nathan, know, nathan drake, drake starts it off yeah kratos is in there but like there's there's a lot of characters in there but there's some of them like we haven't had a little big planet game in in quite a while and media molecule just released they're doing they're doing dreams right now and and so i don't think we'll be getting unless a different studio is doing like a game for a little big planet, but I just think it's kind of interesting. They have some of these characters that haven't really had a recent game in there. Yeah. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the meeting mm-hmm. uh, as to when they're picking who is going to be a part of it. Like there were definitely some obvious choices in those characters. Like you can't well, you not include, have, yeah, right? Like Nathan Drake starts it off. Of course, Nathan Drake's the first character. He mm-hmm. has to be there, but then yeah, you, you make an interesting point. Like Ratchet and Clank show up, but like there's no crash. Well, cra- I mean, example, Crash isn't really like, for them anymore. But. Yeah, I guess so. But they have like a couple kind of like older classic characters like you mentioned and then a lot of the newer characters. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we'll get into this a little more in, in Section 3, a little uh, Spoilers. foreshadowing going on. But it, it definitely did raise a few questions and, and might 
be interesting to see how they go forward and it'll be interesting too to see what characters they add over time because as their library expands yeah the cast of characters in this cinematic should grow with it yeah like i don't think there's i think they're just going for recognizability right over yeah. time like people like ratchet and clank hasn't come out for a while but i think it's quite clear that you associate that character with playstation and and also like i think ratchet and clank and, and Sackboy were were smart to include because otherwise if you take those two out, it's very much like, look at this realistic looking human. Look at this realistic looking human. You know, yeah, it's kind of like brand diversity. That's in a some good way. point. Give a little bit more of like a diverse cast of characters. Yeah. Other, as opposed to like, this is a generic brown haired man. Yeah, exactly. Like Kratos <laughs> yeah. would be the most standout yeah. person in that point. And he's he's still just a dude, you know, like he, he yeah. is a god and he's whatever. But just the lay person looking at this animation, like he's just another tough looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got Aloy as well. She's yeah, a, yeah. she's That's a good true. character. That's but true. yeah, I think you're right. Like they're diverse characters, but maybe not diverse as like a, a sack of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the heck's supposed to be inside him. Yeah. I, I, anyway, it's gonna be cool to like get to watch that anime. That's such a nerdy thing to say, like get it, getting excited for a little animation. Right, like, yeah, we're not, we're not getting excited about the game that's going to play after. We're getting excited about the 22nd it, intro true, to like, the I game. Love, I love going to see the Marvel movies too and and like I would be lying to you if one of the things I get excited for isn't seeing that thing flash up on the, the theater screen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like a, a pure dopamine hit right before you get started doing something. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Um. well, we saved the biggest story for last, Kate, and why don't you take this one yeah, so this is a this is a really big story actually, um, and it came out as of the day that we're recording. Yeah, we're, um, just May earlier, 13th, we're recording right now in the evening, so this is just yeah. like fresh off the press. Yeah, so this came came out maybe only like five or six hours ago, so it's it's really new. We're still kind of processing it, but we'll we will do so with you. Um, we've got an Unreal Engine five tech demo that came out from Epic and Epic Games and Unreal Engine uh, unveiled it today. But what's really neat is that it was played off of a PS5 specifically. Yeah. So they're kind of going over some of the resources and the new tools that they're going to have for the newest generation of of gaming moving forward. And I got to say, like, if you haven't watched the video, it's about nine to ten minutes long. Pause this right now and go watch it. Yeah, it's definitely something to to look at before you, you know, hear our opinions or whatever, if you can. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it. It is it is really phenomenal. Um, but basically, they're they're introducing these two main new design concepts that they've got. They've got Lumen and Nanite. So Lumen is a, as they explain it, a dynamic global illumination tool. So it has to do with the lighting in games and having realistic dynamic lighting um, that responds realistically to the environment and what the player is doing. Uh, and then Nanite is what they describe as a virtualized geometry that's going to let artists import film quality art and assets into the Unreal Engine. So their big example of that was they had a statue um, that they'd put into the demo that I guess in previous engines, the developers would have to specifically make to fit within the engine. And it would be very difficult to make that asset transition from the designer who created it to actually working within the context yeah. of the game yeah but now with nanite it's supposed to integrate those a lot more seamlessly which means that artists can make higher quality models and renders of things um and it'll fit into the game with the correct lighting and and the correct right. dimensions it's, it's, it's more like a dragon i mean i don't know shit all about programming <laughs> or any of these terms or any of this lighting or sound or whatever business like 
the impression I got was that it's just it'll be a lot easier for the designers to create something in whatever program they use to create it and then just slip it on into the engine and it and it just works a lot easier and there's less background stuff to make it work or that you don't, you don't have to decrease the quality of the image or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the takeaway and obviously this is a very oversimplified view of of things, but um in layman's terms how it's supposed to work is yeah, it makes it easier for the artists and gives a higher quality uh, final product. And then the the point that really stood out to me is that they talked a lot about um ga- video games being very much static environments. So Things are are happening kind of on a set sequence a lot of times. And while it looks gorgeous in game and it's not always noticeable, it, it they really have to make these sequences and, and what you're visually seeing in the game follow a certain set of rules that like let it yeah. happen correctly. But with these new assets, what they're saying is that there will be more real-time things that happen based off of the player's action such as like with a light source depending on where you're standing it's going to be shining correctly on your character or if you um, are in the way of something it'll put the correct shadows where you were and um, they also use the example of, of rocks yeah, falling and, and that was and cool breaking and oh my god it was gorgeous but again it's like depending on how you interact the rocks will fall and kind of break correctly in terms of like the geometry and the physics of how that should be simulated in real like would be mm-hmm. in real life simulated into the game instead of them having to like just render a sequence of rocks falling it happens realistically right, and right. naturally now. or or if you were to climb a mountain a certain way maybe you would knock more rocks than someone else and they wouldn't fall the same way for every person or something yeah like exactly and then as you're climbing it's windy so your your clothing is sort of swaying in the wind realistically and like yeah. sort of things that we've we've been trying to incorporate and they've been doing like largely a really good job but it's just this seems like the next step of advancement to making them just look even more like comparable to movies in real life yeah Yeah. i think i think um what's going to be really neat over the past the next little bit obviously this looks phenomenal and and amazing and it's just i mean my jaw was on the floor while i was watching what this looked like it'll be interesting to see exactly how accurate a lot of these systems are implemented because obviously like i don't think it's realistic to set our expectations like every game is going to look like this now like this this was very much a Although it was played on a PS5 and it was like a, a playable sequence of like a, a game that they'd created for this demo, like it obviously was created to show off these these features in a very particular way. And I don't think it's realistic to expect like all games will look like this, at least for the first little bit of next generation. But just the fact that these this is possible and these type of advancements are are something that you can work towards, I think is really cool and, and will expand like what next generation can be. Yeah, exactly. Like obviously it's going to, you know, be large. Things are largely up to the design philosophy of, of the people who make games and their artistic direction. Um, but have, but you are limited to a degree by the resources available to you. Right. Right. So having these higher quality resources, it's going to be amazing to see what, what people are able to do with them. And obviously this was, you know, like, you know, a demo and something definitely made to to show off. But in uh, in an interview here, Kim Library of Epic Games says that I think a lot of people ask, oh, is the demo real? But, you know, the demo was grabbed from the back of a PlayStation 5 development kit. Uh, an HDMI cable went into the disc recorder and played out real time. No editing, no tricks. That's what comes off the box. And that's the coolest part to me, right? Yes. Because, because it, they just proved like that 
this level of game is possible on the PS5. So now it's like you said, it's up to just the developers and the artists to create things that look like this with what they've been given, right? Because Epic's only just giving them the tools with the engine. It's up to the, the designers. And like, why would we not expect eventually, even if it takes them a couple of years to learn the, you know, the nuances of this new technology, like there's no reason to expect eventually we're not going to get games that, that do look and perform this well, you know? And I think it's interesting too, like I wouldn't say that the graphics were on face value too much different than like the PS4. Like, I mean, obviously they look great, but but mm-hmm. like, I don't think that's what we're looking at. I think it's more so we're looking at those things like how the rocks fall differently, the light filters differently, like those types of enhancements, which which like graphically, if you were to pa- compare screenshots, I don't think would be as impressive as if you were to compare like the way the game performs, you know? And I think that's that's more so like where this gen is going from the impression that I've got. Yeah, I agree. I think I think there's a lot of focus on the subtleties and the nuances that maybe are not the most eye-catching thing when you when you first look at or consider the aesthetic of a new game, but really play into like how you subconsciously take it in right like Mm -hmm. it's it's all about the subtleties of of the way a character moves like you can't always pinpoint exactly what's making it look unnatural but we're so our brains are so used to seeing the way that people move and the way that things interact with nature and how wind will shake a tree and and things like that that even though you don't consciously think about it you your brain expects and knows what that looks like so when it isn't happening at the same well, level it of realism. Slightly different in video games. Yeah. Right? yeah. Even if you can't put your finger on or acknowledge exactly what's unusual about it, you do acknowledge and, and understand that something's strange and it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why some CGI looks kind of weird in, in movies and how it's why it's really difficult to make like a CGI character fit in with real actors. Like it's just not quite at the exact same off, level, right? I, th- right? I think that'll still be the case, but I think we're... This engine is a is a step, and yes. like other engines that are going to come out, like not obviously not every game uses Unreal, but it's one of the most prominent you know tools out there, and I think it's just a step towards realism. Yes, exactly. Like this is the next big step, and it's going to be like I'm excited to see what this brings. I can't imagine what things are going to look like even five, yeah, ten years with this sort of technology just coming out on a somewhat like regular basis. But yeah, it's insane. Well, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. There's a million YouTube videos out about the unreal five engine yeah go find it and watch it 15 times over and repeat (laughs) and then collect yourself off of the floor yeah do yourself a favor um yeah well there is one more story today it's a very brief one of course but there is unfortunately um we're recording a day just before this comes out but um they're doing uh i think it's the first state of play of the whole year if i remember correctly unless they had one really early but but um tomorrow they've announced that uh, they're doing a state of play focused specifically on ghost of tsushima um, to show off some gameplay for, I believe, pretty much the first time as far as like maybe an extended gameplay segment of that. So we'll definitely be covering that on the next episode. Um, it'll be a couple weeks old by then, but hey, we got to talk about it. So I'm excited to watch that tomorrow. But that that's going to do us for the news for today. So we'll be back just after a short break with our predictions for PlayStation for the rest of 2020. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, everyone, welcome back. We are here for the third segment of today's show. And for today, that means we're going to be making some predictions about um, PlayStation for 2020. And I guess some of yours, you were saying, are a little bit beyond 2020. Yeah, 2020 but, and uh, beyond. You know, that, that's fine. <laughs> we're, we're playing it fast and loose. So, yeah, these are just the predictions. I think it would be cool to start at the beginning of the year and kind of round them up at the end and see how we did. But because we're only releasing in May... Um, we'll do our best to start from now and yeah, maybe we get till May 2021. Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll make it different. Who knows? But, um, I guess we'll just go back and forth, take turns and, and, uh, start with our predictions. So go ahead, Kate, what's your first one? Uh, so I've got my first one here is I've put down, there's going to be a lot of remakes and remasters. Yeah. I think that's just a trend. I think that's a pretty safe prediction. That's a trend right now in games that have been like countless remakes and Tony remasters kind of, oh my god I, I can't believe it <laughs> that's the second callback to that episode you know, that's the first right episode. yeah if you haven't checked it out uh, we had a question in our uh, our interview quizzes in the first episode and one of them was uh, what game do you just not understand why people like and I, I try I make an effort to be very open-minded and optimistic and even if it's not for me I understand why people you know, would have interest in something, but like, fuck those Tony Hawk games. <laughs> They're <laughs> so boring. You, I don't understand it. I, I just don't. I see maybe an hour of dicking around and then the value is completely gone. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, just maybe at time of recording this, it was yesterday and the Tony Hawk yeah. <laughs> game got the Hilarious. remaster. I laughed at that too. It made me think of you for some reason, even though you like never played that before. <laughs> yes. But anyway, back to your prediction. Um, back to my prediction, which, you know, this uh, relevant accounts for that, but like I said, so many, like countless remasters and remakes coming out. I think we're going to see a lot more of those yeah. going forward. Um, I put a hopeful maybe uh, note in here that we could get a Persona series port or remaster, Ooh, like, like a collection. Like oh, that would be cool. Like a collection coming. I think um, they were sort of, they were well received and well liked, but were sort of niche games. Yeah. Uh, I think 4 was the from, first one that really became like very yeah, popular, right? Yeah, 4 became a little bit more and generated some more attention, especially outside of Japan and, and here in the West. But 5 has been such a massive commercial success that I think it would be really nice. And especially the other, the older games are kind of difficult to access right now as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, like, I, w- I wouldn't even know how to go back and play like, them, to be honest. To p- properly play Persona 4, you want to play the Golden Edition, you have to have it on Vita. Like, yeah. they're, they're kind of hard to track down. So it would be a really nice quality of life to get, you know, those those put in. Wow, um, that's and, ambitious, but I like it. And I, I've also made a note here too after watching that cinematic opening that uh, we discussed earlier. I've made a note specifically for Ratchet and Clank, right, as yeah. well. Like they they came into that opening um, as we specified, and I was looking into it. There was the last Ratchet and Clank game that came out was in 2016. Yeah, and that was but a it was a, re- the first a remaster. One. So the last game that actually came out as a unique game was 2013. Yeah, you think they could they could maybe remaster, you know, they could even do a whole original trilogy. Like yeah, toss exactly. that PS4 one back on and, and Exactly. Whatever. I see the whole original trilogy coming out and maybe even a new game in the future, so. Nice. That'd yeah. be cool. Um, okay, well, my first prediction, um, I just thought I'd get it out of the way. I mean, I think one of us, maybe you even predicted something too, but it's got to be about the PS5 reveal, right? Because we still don't have a date. We still don't know when we're getting information. I think there was a rumor about late in May, but that's, I mean, to have a reveal event, but mm-hmm. that seems quite soon um without any kind of you know hype so um i just put down here i picked a random date i said the ps5 will be revealed on june 17th we'll obviously get like an announcement about Mm -hmm. that and then there'll be a big event on june 17th it'll be announced that the price is 499 dollars us so it'll be you know kind of right at the top of the price point people are predicting um and finally that 
um, now this is kind of the part that I think is a bit unrealistic, but I'm being mm-hmm. hopeful, okay. is that it comes with a year of um, free PlayStation Now uh, to try oh, and, okay. and um, you know, get people into using that service. They try it out for the first year, get to play a lot of titles on their new system. So if just in case the launch lineup isn't super robust, that they can go back and check out some older titles or whatever they put on there. And then hopefully as, uh, you know, people begin to like the service and it expands and people continue to subscribe after their trial. So hopefully, okay. uh, you know, we'll see. But that's my prediction. June 17th. June 17th. Okay, we'll put that in my calendar. See how uh, yeah. how accurate you are. Um, my second point is, is sort of similar. I put down that, you know, we'll be getting the reveal. Um, I didn't put down a specific date, but I put down by July. So oh, by July. that gives me a little bit more flexibility than than you've got. Yeah. So um, if it's after June 17th, so, yeah, you win. June 18th is what I'm hoping for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've also put down in here that I think they're going to hint at a sequel to one of their big IPs yeah. when they, they do so. And that will lead into like a exclusive version that you can get of the ps5 so it'll be like the horizon zero dawn 2 version like a limited edition launch launch would be well you know xbox just had that cyberpunk xbox um series x that they announced so that could that could be a case i don't know Mm -hmm. um so my second prediction is that at the reveal event on june 17th for the ps5 Mm -hmm. there will be a trailer for um god of war 2018 sequel okay um which will be shown. Um, there'll be no gameplay footage, and it'll mm-hmm. be given a twenty. It'll just say twenty twenty one at the end of the trailer. Okay. But we'll no other information. It'll just be like a short cinematic, um, you know, showing something that happens in the sequel. But a very short little tidbit of information. Okay, that's fantastic. I hope ours go together perfectly, and the God of War one is the exclusive version that comes oh. out because that's the one I'd like to buy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I love a controller with just Kratos' face and beard just like front and center. <laughs> it better be better than the... Oh, better be better. It, it hopefully <laughs> will be better than the collector's edition for the other God of War because I didn't think that one looked oh, too great. No, it didn't. Personally. But you know what is really cool? They have those like light bars on the front now or those little like subtle blue. That could be the red that goes across Kratos. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or like half red, half white. Oh, yeah. That'd be super cool. That'd be super cool. Okay, well, taking it in a totally different direction, I've got here for mine. And this is maybe more of like, probably not 2020, but somewhat early future for the PS5. Right. Uh, I think Within maybe the calendar year? Within, yeah, maybe the calendar year or somewhat early and at least to be announced. I think there's going to be a new music style game like the next generation of the Guitar Heroes or Dance Dance. Um, with the PlayStation 5 They've and the hardware of it, they've talked about how much emphasis they've put on the audio and sound components and i think that would be really neat to have like kind of like a flagship game come out mm. that really utilizes the audio aspect interesting so like what would it be do you think is it it's not guitars then it's or? not guitars i don't know i i mean i spitballed a couple ideas and they were all super super dumb so clearly i shouldn't be in, in control hey, where's of this. parappa the rapper at? parappa the rapper might come back um what was that game that we talked about the other a while back I think it was off off podcast but it's that game where like it was that rhythm game where it was those men in in suits and they're like, oh, super it was, ridiculous it was elite, beat elite beat agents yes it could be like an elite beat agent yeah. sort of like rhythm game interesting um but I think they're gonna do something though that genre kind of like it's for the casual kind of you know yeah, consumer it's, who might. it's great yeah. and there are tons of fun and like they kind of like have weird surges of 
of like popularity like you get really big spikes like guitar hero was big yeah, and just then it kind of died down and like, still come in around just, like the wii or yeah whatever. and they seem to like come in and out of trends so i think mm. maybe this will be the next big like five months of like, it being interesting quality, yeah, yeah. I, okay, that's interesting i didn't definitely wouldn't have thought of that <laughs> um so let's move on my number four we're already on number four wow um, mm-hmm. So mine is that, you know, we just saw the DualSense controller released a little while ago and they made a big deal about a few features, but one of them was that the share button has now been replaced with the create button. And so that apparently, mm-hmm. I guess, is going to give us a lot more creative freedom as far as like, you know, posting screenshots and, and doing all that kind of thing, or, or maybe, you know, different kinds of creative things you can do right on the system. And so my fourth prediction is that because Dreams you know, Dreams is, is very creative in its own sense, yes. like as far as custom content and like making your own stuff. I think that works, that game works really well with the, with what the share button might become as far as like, I made this content, now I want to share it online. So I think that what's going to happen is, is that, um, and also Dreams, like I think it came out and it was very popular at the start, like within its first, you know, couple weeks, a month of release, like lots of, you see lots of cool creations online, but these days I think it's, it's died off quite quickly. And yeah, so, I, I think it is still very, very heavily utilized with a very small niche exactly. type of person, but, it but it's have the not same, in the mainstream. The same buzz, and it's definitely yeah. not like an A-tier game for PlayStation. And for that reason, I think they're, I mean, I don't have the sales numbers in front of me. I probably should have looked them up, but I don't think <laughs> it's probably making them a ton and ton of money, you know? So mm-hmm. my, my prediction here is that um, Dreams will be, for PS5, will be made f- um, free to play for anyone with a current PS Plus subscription. Uh-huh. And so they'll have a lot more people getting on the platform for free. Maybe you don't have a lot of games at launch, but but Dreams can easily come over, be part of your lineup as long as you have PS Plus. And that way they'll, they'll be getting more people to create content, more people to play the content, and it can kind of hold up the PS5 before it gets a lot of titles released for it, you know? Uh, I- and and that then it also works out with the share button being like very very much encouraging people to like share their dreams and and share what they've Aww. created. Dream big, like I always say, dream big, get yeah. big. You, you do say that all the time. Yeah. I do. Clear quote. Um, but and just just so you know, that's my favorite prediction that I. That I think that is my favorite prediction of out of mine included. I think that's fantastic, and I I really like that for the aspect as well of like just the individual person who's made a game and wants to share that and has like a potentially massive audience of people that can right. you know g- play their game give them feedback and I, I think that encourages people to maybe pursue game development more seriously than they otherwise would have and that could be like the right. first and kind of like taste of, of what that lifestyle might look like yeah and like and dreams itself by all accounts is like quite robust compared to other you know, like Little Big Planet or whatever had come before. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's not the type of thing that people will really go out and buy because they're unsure, but it's the kind of thing that if it was free, like you dabble in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, and just just to clarify too, that was prediction number three, not four. I miscounted. Okay, I was going to say, I was yeah. like, we've, we've, um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the heck yeah. I've done here, yeah. but <laughs> I'm glad to know it was you, not me. Um, okay, well, my, my next one is, is shit in comparison, but here we go. Um, I've put down that I think, and I think this is another safe prediction as well, because we're seeing, it's just a, a trend I'm, I'm pointing out, but we're going to get a lot of games with like season passes and, and oh, content yeah. passes for PS5. And I think that might even translate into getting some like proper MMO for consoles. Really? Yeah. Like, well, I know we've had, we've had the Destiny. Like the Division and Destiny yeah. and those, but they're all and, shooters, like, right? Destiny, um, was very successful 
uh, especially Destiny 2 came out and, and I know that while well, it had a bit of a rough start is is pretty highly acclaimed now and and they've been successful um Anthem was another attempt at it oh, that God. you know maybe we shouldn't <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we was, shouldn't talk I about honestly it. <laughs> was like hyping my friends up to play that because I thought it looked so cool and then it came out and I just yeah. looked like an idiot it was a little bit of a bust um but I think with the success of games like Fortnite having those like constant yeah. content packs that you'd buy in a season and like kind of like a living breathing game that's constantly evolving I think we'll see sort of some of those game styles that are exclusive to PC right now kind of transition into console as well. Mm. And it'll be a lot more of like maybe a social platform yeah, um, and different, yeah, different styles of MMOs that interesting, like PlayStation exclusive ones or like, or I, like just more stuff coming to PlayStation. I, I think both. I think it would be, I mean, there's definitely like a lot of them will be, it'd be nice to have them cross platform as well. Yeah. Um, especially with that social aspect you can play with any of your friends, you're not restricted, but I think it would be smart for PlayStation to also kind of recognize that this is important. And that's another avenue for them to kind of keep pushing their, we're the, we're the company with all the amazing exclusives. I like it. I like it. Mm. I think I think that's probably the safest of all of our predictions. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for it's sure. definitely a strong trend. Okay, so my next one is a little bit more out there. Um, so Blue Point, right? Blue Point is it's not a Sony first party studio. It won't have that brand new Sony uh, PlayStation Studios Marvel like <laughs> uh, intro to it. But I mean, they they've been working with PlayStation quite closely, and they recently did the or not recently, but they did the um, Shadow of Colossus remake for PS4 right. remaster. And so I think they've they, there's actually quotes that they're they're going to have a game ready pretty much at the launch of the new console and it's going to be for ps5 and everything and so a lot of people are predicting different things for it but my prediction here is that they've actually a lot of the sorry just to back up a lot of people think it's going to be um demon souls for oh. which would be really cool just stop right there please yeah, no. let it be demon souls well, <laughs> we'll see but my prediction i went a little bit of a different way i'm saying that they're going to reveal a reboot for siphon filter which was a you know tactical kind of stealth espionage type game back on ps1 i think they had some some other games later but it was really big on ps1 and we haven't seen it for years and i think that it's a franchise that's needed revival for a while a lot of people get really excited to to uh, talk about it but it just hasn't really ever you know it hasn't happened i think it finally happens on the ps5 and it is one of the launch titles for the ps5 um one of the exclusive launch titles and you know i think it'll do reasonably well don't know if it's going to be a huge hit but i i think siphon filter is the one okay interesting interesting i mean it's no demon souls but it would still yeah. be very exciting. i think demon souls like i would have gone with it i just wanted to choose something not quite right uh, yeah you know something, the obvious one yeah you gotta kind of go for those from online you know yeah I, you kind of gotta go for those big predictions uh which i have done for my last one but i will paint you a small picture i like it. um so i don't know if you guys have watched it but there is an amazing castlevania tv show hell yeah there is on netflix great show it is a fantastic anime i think a new season's supposed to come out soon they announced there's going to be another season i don't yeah. know when it's coming out but anyway yeah. super exciting so there's a rumor that the same uh company that made that is going to be making a devil may cry anime Ooh. which i think would translate very very well uh okay Continuing on, flip onto that. Apparently, Netflix has made a deal uh, to be making a Resident Evil TV show. Really? Yes. And in addition to that, we have Tom Holland, who's going to be starring in an Uncharted movie. He's going to be playing young Nathan Drake. Yes. 
put that all together. A PlayStation Cinematic Universe. And you get a PlayStation Cinematic Universe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They've got the opening 20 seconds now wow. just like Marvel. <laughs> and the they can hell? play that before every show and movie. <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what? It is incredibly Holy. ambitious, but it's not as crazy when you start to think about it. Like there are a lot of video game movies and TV shows coming out recently. I think like the success of Castlevania and The Witcher and like Detective Pikachu and even the Sonic movie wasn't anywhere near as awful as people. Yeah, I actually like the Sonic movie. Yeah, like, like I'm not a Sonic fan really, but like I, I like that movie. Yeah, I think it, it was ended good. up being perfectly acceptable. And I and like video game movies were always known to be awful in the past. Like you you went and watched it anyways because. You you, yeah, wanted you, to see wanted to see your it, series. It was, you knew you were setting yourself up yeah. for like failure. You right? wanted to see your series on the big screen, but you knew it was going to be awful. And you walked out of the theater like, you know, like feeling, I guess, validated that you were correct, but also extremely disappointed that it was awful. Um, but they're actually getting talented writers now that are making good content. Yeah. And I think even The Last of Us is going to be getting... Uh, well, like Neil Druckmann's working on that last yeah. of show. Like it's no, they're, it's no joke as as far as like what they've said so far. Yeah, exactly. They're getting a show, and like maybe not all of these universes are are easy to <laughs> to <Yeah>. fit together. <laughs> like maybe Ellie and Kratos don't really become friends at any point. <laughs> like that's kind of a hard sell. But like it, I think this might be the next phase for them and something they're looking towards expanding and i yeah. think like oh, well, you, you it's, know. A, it's a really cool thing that we could have going forward hey, crazier things have happened man you know like we'll see i don't know <laughs> i won't get my hope i won't hold my breath for that one though we'll see we'll see um yeah so my last prediction is is a little bit more down to earth um <laughs> so a lot of people are predicting that the big playstation four or five this exclusive game will be horizon two I think that's mm-hmm. like if you were to ask a lot of people, they'll say that's the one that's most likely going to be uh, coming out for launch, right? I think it's a safe bet. When I was looking at the games for um, the prediction of like what would come out for the exclusive version, Horizon was my yeah, big guess. Yeah, Horizon's one of the popular ones. And I'll say like my prediction is kind of two parts. I think my prediction is that this was aimed to be a launch game, but I think that I'm going to say it'll come out still within maybe a month of launch, but not quite at the exact time as the console, just because I think that the you know the whole covid and virus thing has delayed things a little bit more than sony would have liked you know we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer just a few weeks to play horizon but the main prediction here is that i think that they've mentioned before don't quote me on this but that there's going to be potentially like a multiplayer aspect to it where you can play the campaign with two people i think i've heard that before don't get me for horizon for horizon 2 yeah for horizon 2 or maybe it's just speculation but whatever it is my prediction is that that is indeed true there is multiplayer but it's not in the campaign it's going to be an online battle royale with Uh where you play you can play like the single player campaign or you can play this online mode where you can bring two people in and it's it's kind of like the combat of of um, horizon i was thinking about this actually because a couple people i know recently have been playing through horizon and when I played, I, st- I got that game when it came out and it I really didn't like it. It's one of the few, you know, exclusive PlayStation games that I just didn't really get into. I found the combat was just really slow and, and wasn't really what I liked. It's more like setting up traps and waiting around and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think, like, personally for me, I'm, I'm the outlier. Like, most people really thought that was a great game. But I think that that type of of um, combat style would be really interesting for, like, a slower-paced battle royale. Oh, like something a little more, like calculated and cautious and like 
set up traps and like wait for your yeah, opponent to I mean, kind of there like is there's big guns and stuff too but but i think it would be cool because not only would you have like other players hunting you down but there'd also be the mechanical monsters kind of in that world as well so maybe you team up with another partner of two because you're all getting attacked by this big monster and you sort out the other players afterwards or just a you know a unique twist because at this point there's so many battle royales where mm-hmm. there are they're all different but like really they're all kind of the same when you boil them down in a lot of ways so this would at least it would be like battle royale but also with the monsters on the map and it's up to you if you want to kill the players or maybe you you make an alliance to take on a big monster and get some rewards and then try and kill those people afterwards something like that okay interesting just the change to the formula i my first thought is i'm not sure if that could topple tetris 99 but it's definitely an interesting (laughs) idea people like tetris 99 oh i'm being 100 serious tetris 99 is the best battle royale Uh, i don't know apex legends man (laughs) i I don't know tetris 99 you've clearly never t-spun someone james (laughs) i'm so bad i can't i can't even like come close to winning that game no it is so incredibly hard tough but anyway i think i think that horizon could be i like is it realistic? No. Is it going to happen? Probably not. Like, will it have online? Maybe, but I don't think. Hmm. Like, Battle Royale, I just think would be a cool, cool um, genre. And also, like, PlayStation doesn't have an exclusive Battle Royale, right? Like, for a long time, PUBG was was exclusively on Xbox for consoles. PlayStation mm-hmm. has never had like that that type of experience, right? For for Battle Royale. So I think that having it's being it's such a popular genre right now that I think they would want to have their own version of that on their console to launch to, to try and sell the system yeah. and that way horizon is like going to sell it to people who are really interested in the single player campaign of the first one but also like people might check it out yeah and get smart, it in the console right smart putting it in a game like that um as well because so many people will be buying it for the single player experience and then oh i might as well try this new mode in it and then that's another reason to stick around for a while but it's interesting um i'm trying to think of another game that would like an exclusive that would work for a battle royale right yeah it's hard to think of one that kind of comes close i mean for playstation i can't really think of one off the top of my head that will work better that's the thing like you couldn't like god of war no uncharted no no. last of us like the last of us maybe they could have some mode where you know you go and kill some zombies together but or you know but that's not really the same thing last of us is so story driven yeah it almost feels like kind of inappropriate like, almost to put like cheap it in and, cheap in yeah. the world you know to put that there okay so. well if you guys can think of one yeah, that uh, yeah. might work better than horizon please let us know something we might have overlooked yeah. and i'm going to be thinking about this all night <laughs> i know well if <laughs> yeah let, we'll, we'll let you know next show if we have any other um you know thoughts and suggestions for that but hey if you want to get in touch let us know um at c-a-n-d-s pod on twitter Um, But until next time, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about some more PlayStation goodness. See you then. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Grattan of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter. And our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.